Crown of Thorns, written by Iris Bluefick. Chapter 75 August, with a kind of valediction. Halfway up the Agramont's trunk, from his vantage point on the ladder, Aziraphale could see Adam's stubbornly maintained vintage wasabi approaching. He didn't bother to climb down, plucking another russet to place in his basket. Your volunteers are about to arrive, Aziraphale sighed. Three rather than two, by the look. Crowley, perched precariously in the branches of his beloved Roxbury, made a satisfied noise. Soph's made a full recovery, he said. Light exercise will do her good, just no climbing. You've chosen a rather ironic mode of celebration, given the day, Aziraphale remarked. Slithering down from his perch at the intersection of several branches, Crowley retrieved the few russets that had bounced out of his basket. I'm tired of fraught August 25ths. This is productive, not to mention humorously apt. Aziraphale backed down a few rungs, watching as Adam, Sophia and Mandy got out of the car. You really ought to be resting, dear girl, Aziraphale called. Why don't you and I go inside? And let you natter about what to expect with my due date a week off, Sophia called back, her voice full of laughter. <laughs> no thanks. We appreciated your vigilance, Mandy said, marching right over to the Egremont, shading her eyes as she gazed up at Aziraphale. But everything's under control. Need a hand? Please excuse him, Crowley said, helping Sophia across the gravel so Adam could dash to inspect the Egremont. Sun's gone to his head. We're going to need another ladder, said Sophia. Not everybody can climb as easily as you. I'm not going up one. No way, Mandy said, gathering viable pieces of fruit from the ground. I'll get what you lot drop. You're not climbing either, Aziraphale told Sophia, coming the rest of the way down the ladder. Crowley's orders. Yeah, and Dr. Rajit's too, Sophia replied, leaning against the Roxbury's trunk, while Crowley pulled down a cluster of fruit for her to admire. Cool. Can I take over? Adam asked, placing a foot on the lowest rung of Aziraphale's ladder. Be my guest, Aziraphale said, setting down the basket he'd filled, fetching an empty one. Didn't you used to climb these like anything? Mandy said, poking him in the arm. All that bragging? Never said it was smart, said Adam, winking at her. Climbing somebody else's trees. Oh, how the mighty have fallen! Aziraphale muttered, joining Crowley and Sophia beneath the Roxbury's shade. What do you make of the crop? Sophia was turning a single perfect apple around in her hands. She smelled it, hummed, and then offered it to Crowley, her eyebrows raised. The first taste should be yours, right? She said. Gardener's privilege. Only seems fair. Crowley had no sooner taken a bite... Then Sophia's voice broke in warning. She dragged him to the ground, breathing hard. Hey, uh... Mandy wavered, tugging the hem of Adam's shirt. Looks like it's hospital time. This is precisely what I'd feared, 
said Aziraphale, helping Crowley get Sophia to her feet. Pippa sat sipping her cappuccino, admiring the theatre lobby's soothing blue walls, while Rani and Rashid argued over prospective scripts at the opposite end of the table. They'd done a bang-up job, no question. Even if we could agree on a show, Rani was saying, it's awfully late to be holding auditions. That's bollocks, Rashid insisted. Some London shows don't start rehearsals till September. Ignoring her phone as it vibrated in her lap, Pippa sighed. This committee's in dreadful shape. We shouldn't be making decisions without Aziraphale, Rani said. He's put in his share. Pippa's phone vibrated again while Rashid shuffled scripts. Then the vote with deadlock. It's a fine time of year for Macbeth, Pippa suggested, picking up her agitated mobile. What have I told you, over and over? Rani asked in irritation. Put that bloody thing away. It's gone off four or five times, Rashid shot back. That could mean something important. Pippa stared at the pile-up of texts from Crowley on her screen, at first too stunned to process. Not that I expect you to drop everything, but we've taken Sophia to hospital. St. Richard's, I should say. Sorry for reminder. Nothing's wrong. Labor. Middle of apple picking. Can you believe the kid's nerve? I hate this waiting room. Brace yourselves, Pippa announced, prepared to reply. Sophia's popped off early. Good gracious, Rani said, getting to her feet. Do the troops need reinforcement? I told you it might be of consequence, Rashid murmured. Has it been very long? No way of knowing, Pippa sighed, and then typed, Needest come down? I'm sure only the family's allowed at the birth, said Rani, disappointed. Please don't, came Crowley's terse reply. Parents and sisters, here as is. What about Adam and Mandy? Pippa sent back. I'm sure you're correct. They're here, Crowley responded instantly. We were together at the start. Abandoning the pile of scripts, Rashid got up and came down to Pippa's end of the table. So nervous, he said in quiet shock, as if he forgets it's in their power to ease her way. Rani sucked in her breath, shooting a warning glance at Rashid as Pippa regarded them. As if it were in any of our power, she scoffed uneasily. I will just have to wait. Rashid glanced worriedly at Pippa and then back at Rani. Not proper, these secrets. Pippa shivered, setting down her cup. You had better tell me what this is all about. Shaking her head, Rani put up both hands in refusal. The story's not ours to tell, Pet. But you can tell your side of it, right? Pippa asked Rashid in a moment of epiphany. Setting a hand on Pippa's shoulder, Rashid trembled. I worked at the Ritz in London for years. Your venerable neighbours were regulars. Quite the odd coincidence, Pippa said, patting his hand. Tell it from the beginning. 
shit, Uriel said, shakily bringing the lit cigarette Aziraphale offered up to her lips. I don't know how humans do it. All the waiting and the screaming. Aziraphale leaned against the brick behind them and stared pensively out across the parking lot. In great pain, he murmured, shaking his head. One of his crueler curses, if you ask me. Never wanted to try it, Yoriel replied, taking another drag. Not even to know what it's like. Just as well we steered clear, Aziraphale said, gesturing for the cigarette. Nephilim. Messy. Yoriel handed back the smouldering stub, watching him take a drag so deep it dizzied him. Tell me something, she said quietly. Will the kid be human, or are we all fucked? Shrugging, Aziraphale pitched the cigarette butt on the pavement and stamped it out. Whatever plot Gabriel and Asmodai tried to attach to Sophia was foiled, he said. Yeah, but that doesn't erase the possibility that Adam's inheritance might override- Upbringing is everything, said Aziraphale with a tilted smile. And we're the experts. I'm no fucking expert, Uriel scoffed, folding her arms. Wait, do you mean you and- I mean that Crowley and I have been at this godfathering business long enough to know what to avoid, Aziraphale said. So just let them muddle their way through it, Uriel suggested. Like Adam's parents had to. Aziraphale snorted and shook his head, withdrawing the pack of cigarettes from his pocket. At least we'll be on hand, for good or for ill, he said, lighting another. And so will you. Raphael, too, Uriel said, feeling too sombre to shorten his name. Hey, give me that. Just take one, please, replied Aziraphale testily, holding the pack out to her. Or two. I'm relieved he and Crowley insisted on staying inside, to be honest. Insurance policy. Aziraphale nodded in agreement. Inasmuch as Crowley insisted we ought not to interfere with the process, it's quite obvious to me that Sophia's recovery was significantly expedited. Uriel smiled at him, lighting her cigarette with a thought. When he asked me to pay a visit and make sure Rafe was in tow, I got the message. Closing his eyes wearily, Aziraphale tipped his head back and blew smoke through his nose. No word for over an hour, he whispered. And she's been in labour since this morning. Got your phone volume turned up? Uriel asked. Maybe you've missed some updates. Without warning, Raphael appeared between them and snatched Aziraphale's cigarette. Behold, he said, taking a rakish drag. I bring you tidings of great joy. Is that the line? You missed out the good before tidings, Aziraphale sniffed. But otherwise... Then they both made it? Uriel prompted, stabbing out her cigarette. The baby's just fine? Raphael nodded, pitching what was left of Aziraphale's. Real lungs on him, just like his aunt's. Crowley's beside himself, no doubt. So I'll go back up, said Aziraphale, flickering out of sight. Hey, uh... 
Uriel said, wiping at Raphael's tear-bright eyes, smudging his liner. We did all right. Above all, Sophia felt three things. Those were cranky, exhausted and numb from the waist down. Anathema nudged Sophia's elbow, lifting Seth's head a fraction. You need to support him. Seth, thirty minutes old and swaddled in a green blanket, scrunched up his face and howled. Where's the mute button? Sophia asked, licking her lips. Please tell me he comes with one. While Mandy, out in the hall, was busy grilling the nurse about Sophia's C-section home care regimen, Adam fetched a cup of water and pressed it to her lips. He looked scared, but elated. Should I run to the cafeteria? he asked. Tell your dad and the girls they can come back. Didn't have to leave in the first place, Sophia muttered, gulping the whole cup. Cowards. Mandy, seemingly done with the nurse, stuck her head in through the door. Gang's all back. Crowded waiting room, Sophia said. She wondered whether her father and sisters were the biggest collective wreck, or if Crowley, Aziraphale and the Archangels had them beat. Anathema had claimed the chair near the window and begun texting. Your dad's faint. Sophia rolled her eyes, bouncing the whimpering bundle and watched Adam slip out to join Mandy in the hall. Now they were both talking to the nurse, who looked fed up. Hey, sweetheart, Anathema said tiredly, looking up from her phone. You up for a few more guests, or should I tell them all to go home? Running her damp palm nervously over Seth's feather-fine black hair, Sophia glanced up. The angels, she said softly, her eyes stinging. Your two. Are they still there? Anathema held her mobile screen out so Sophia could see it. Crowley's texting like mad. That's what I thought, Sophia rasped, closing her eyes in relief. I want to see them. Anathema rapidly typed a response, making a face. Aziraphale wants to give you space. Then send Crowley in. Sophia insisted, letting Seth suck on her pinky. Mum, please. It took less than a minute for the door to open. Crowley peered in, inscrutable behind his sunglasses, hesitating on the threshold. He flashed her a tentative thumbs up. Yes, jeez, Sophia said, raising her strained voice. Get your arse over here. Crowley approached Sophia's hospital bed, pushing his shades up into his mussed hair. Didn't do this right the first time, he said, with Adam. Wanted to throw the basket. I wanted to hit the mute button, Sophia confided, offering Seth to him. So, we're even. With more care and surety than Sophia felt herself, Crowley tucked Seth against his chest. Accidentally named you, did I? He whispered in awe. History won't repeat, I swear it. Oh, shush. Sophia yawned, watching Seth wrap his tiny fingers around Crowley's thumb. Aziraphale lurked in the doorway with an expression both guilty and fond, eyes questioning. 
There's plenty of space, said Crowley with tremulous impatience. Get over here, Angel. Sophia closed her eyes, content as Aziraphale set one steady, soft hand on her child's head. Mandy heard the knock before Crowley did, which was just as well. With Sophia asleep and Adam out on the job with his father-in-law, the two of them were on Seth's duty. In the past several days, Crowley had scarcely been home. Stay put, she said, waving at Crowley where he sat with the just-fed, wakeful Seth drooling on his blanket-covered shoulder. They're early, yeah? Crowley checked his watch, bouncing Seth a little when he hiccuped. Five minutes or so. Opening the door, Mandy greeted Pippa, Mary and Jamie with a nod. Quiet, self-zonked. Hello to you too, Pippa replied, stubbornly marching in, unaided save for her cane. Would you look? She went on, making her way to sit next to Crowley on the sofa. At this, you're a natural, dear heart. Crowley made a face patting Seth's back. Tell the whole blessed world, why don't you? Mary sat down beside Pippa, leaning forward to peer at Seth as Crowley brought him down off his shoulder and turned him around. The baby sucked his fist and kicked contentedly. If you say anything about lovely toesy-woesies, Crowley warned, covering Seth's delicate blotchy feet with his hands. So help me. Mandy snorted, unsuccessfully stifling her laughter as she showed Jamie to the nearest chair. Don't mind him, sister, she said, recalling Crowley's account. He's making amends. This one does look like his father, though, Crowley said, smoothing Seth's duckling-covered onesie over his belly. If you ignore the dark hair. Mandy sat down in the chair opposite Jamie's, watching Mary reach across Pippa to catch one of Seth's flailing hands. Your daddy Wadikins was very sweet, Mary told the baby. You're quiet like he was to. He's really not, said Crowley with feigned distaste, and then glanced at Pippa. Want a turn? Pippa held her arms out, so Crowley shifted Seth over with an easy dexterity that Mandy envied. Before you know it, they're grown, said Jamie, and it took Mandy a second to realise he was addressing her. Make the most of every moment. Ugh, I don't think there's a manual on this kind of parenting, mate, she sighed. You'll raise him the way my grandfather's people raised children, together. I don't think you'll escape childminding now and again. Mary's besotted. Jamie was watching intently as Pippa handed Seth off to his wife. His eyes flicked to Crowley. I know what they are, he said in Portuguese, sending a jolt down Mandy's spine. Mari told me. Mandy hadn't taken to Spanish and Jamie's mother tongue as readily as she'd taken to Basque, but she'd learned a bit of each anyway. You know they're not human she asked cautiously, stumbling over the phrasing. Really? Jamie chuckled. <laughs> the scoundrel who ran out on you was more of a demon than this one? He nodded meaningfully at Crowley. Will ever be. 
Mandy caught Crowley's eye when she realised he was listening. And his other half's hardly an angel all the time. Take it from me. Aziraphale couldn't help but twist his hands in his lap while Pippa made tea in the kitchen. That the arrival of such a mundane-seeming child had prompted him to existential navel-gazing was absurd. Everything had turned out all right, hadn't it? As I was saying, it's been bothering me, he fretted. Why should I have glimpsed such a future if politics aren't where Sophia's now headed? Crowley shrugged, setting his hand over his irrefails, easing the strain in them with a squeeze. Because at that point in time, he said, that's where she was headed. Futures change. Pippa rounded the corner more swiftly than her cane usually permitted, pale as she leaned against her patterned wallpaper. Behind her, the kettle was beginning to boil. I couldn't help overhearing she said. I don't want you to think this is a confrontation. They'd been fools for long enough, as Irafael knew. The notion that they might upend Pippa's world, or that they might risk her asking too much of them in her grief, was crumbling. Besides, it hardly mattered now that Crowley had gone and performed that particular miracle. Think what you will, dear girl, as Irafael sighed. An explanation's what we owe you. Pippa shook her head, marching resolutely to the sofa. Stiffly, she sat down beside Crowley. Rashid told me everything. Everything as he understands it, that is. He seems to think the two of you might be Jen, or maybe Malaika. Do you know what that means? Zerufel winced inwardly. That it had come to this, fate catching up with them, was fitting. Yes, Crowley said. So if you add that to what I told you, you'll know that's not what I am. You never owned the part they assigned you, Aziraphale snapped. How many times do I... Angels, Pippa whispered, translating the second word she'd said perfectly. You're angels? Crowley blanched, making a helpless gesture. I suppose you could say that originally, yes. There's little difference between those that fell and those that didn't, Aziraphale explained. Pippa didn't respond, her unblinking gaze shifting back and forth between them as they spoke. I guess you'll have worked out that this applies to Raphael and Uriel too, Crowley sighed. Unable to verbally improve the situation, Aziraphale got up and started for the kitchen. The tea wasn't going to make itself, and it looked like Pippa was the one who'd need it. What he heard next stopped him in his tracks, caused him to turn in utter breathless surprise. Dear heart, Pippa said, her voice uneven with long moments disuse. Let me... <clears throat> Let me see your eyes. Crowley removed his sunglasses and set them on the coffee table. He was startled to the point of gasping when Pippa took hold of his hands. 
say you'll bless me come the end, whispered Pippa, imploring. Please tell me he's waiting. <laughs> that, Crowley said through tear-stained laughter, I promise, but don't leave me just yet. At the kettle's reassuring click, Aziraphale spun on his heel and continued on his way. Crown of Thorns will conclude in Chapter 75, Part 6. 